Hello and welcome to the Combat Stress 100 podcast. My name is Tom Fox and in 2015 I began to experience serious problems with my mental health. The warning signs have been there for years but like many other people that suffer with mental health issues I didn't understand them or recognize that I was ill. So I just continued trying to cope as best as I could which eventually led me to having a complete breakdown. Luckily as I had served in the British Army I was put in touch with the veterans mental health charity Combat Stress and it was then that I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and given the therapy and support that I needed to help me on my road to recovery. From personal experience, I've seen and understand how post-traumatic stress disorder can affect the lives of not just veterans, but their families as well. I've also seen how, with the right support, trauma can be overcome. Over this six-episode series, you'll hear heart-rending true stories of UK military veterans. These are men and women who have experienced extraordinary events and survived, but not without consequences. PTSD, hypervigilance, depression, and for some, substance misuse. Thankfully, with support from Combat Stress, these men and women are rebuilding their lives. Featuring insight from clinicians, you'll learn about the impact military-related trauma has on veterans and their families, and how it can tear lives apart. But you'll also hear why we can hope for a better future. We hope this podcast will increase the public's awareness and understanding of veterans' experiences and their mental health. To commemorate 100 years of combat stress, in 2019, the charity worked with the UK reminiscence charity Age Exchange to travel the length and breadth of the UK, recording interviews with veterans who've been treated by combat stress. They called the project Combat Stress 100. Funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund, the charity's brought together veterans to tell their powerful stories, often for the first time in public. If you have any issues with the quality of sound, please be aware that veterans' interviews are captured in studio conditions but our clinical team recorded their pieces at home due to COVID. I'm David Saville. I'm the artistic director of the charity Age Exchange. These recordings will serve for clinicians, for academics, for the public, and importantly for veterans who come forward to be supported by the charity in, in the future. The Living Archive will grow. It will be sustained beyond the terms of this project. Um, and, and veterans trained by Age Exchange will continue to carry out interviews with their fellow vets beyond the lifetime of this project. Hello, I'm Sue Freeth. I'm the Chief Executive of Combat Stress. We are the UK's leading charity for veterans' complex mental health needs. We provide a comprehensive specialist clinical package of evidence-based rehabilitation that's tailored to the individual and their family. We are very excited to partner with the charity Age Exchange for what's become an invaluable opportunity for veterans to share why they joined up, what they experienced and the impact of living with multiple traumas on them and their families. And they've courageously bared their souls to seek help. We have a strong duty to share these accounts to encourage others to seek help. Our ambition is to grow this living archive and create a safe place where veterans with complex mental health needs voices can be heard unedited. We hope the archive will help to break down the barrier to seeking help and treatment, increase the public's understanding and empathy for their unique circumstances. These testimonies, they're hard to hear and hard to listen to, but it's very important we do hear them. Please remember that our helpline is available to veterans and their families for confidential advice and support. So please call us if you need to on 0800 138 1619.
I served in the Royal Green Jackets, an infantry regiment within the British Army. I served operationally on tours in Northern Ireland and Bosnia and many exercises overseas. When I left the military, I worked in the private military sector. I worked for the American Department of Defence in Iraq, for the United States Navy at sea and for the British Foreign and Commonwealth Office in the Middle East looking after British diplomats. Some of the experiences that I had affected my mental health and in 2015 I was diagnosed at combat stress with post-traumatic stress disorder. In this first episode, we're going to take a deeper look at post-traumatic stress disorder and complex post-traumatic stress disorder from a world-leading expert and through the real experiences of UK military veterans. Dr. Walter Buzzatil, a Royal Air Force veteran and consultant psychiatrist, is the Director of Research at Combat Stress. Hello, my name's Walter Buzzatil. I'm a consultant psychiatrist. While I was in the Air Force... I was involved in many projects related to post-traumatic stress disorder. In addition, we had the Beirut hostages who were released from Lebanon. Uh, That includes Terry Waite, John McCarthy and Jackie Mann. When I joined Combat Stress in 2007, there was a huge need for cutting-edge clinical services to treat veterans who had fought in Iraq and Afghanistan, but of course we had veterans from the Second World War right up to the present day. So it's really important to understand that the illnesses that veterans present with and people who've uh, been in combat present with are very stereotypical. That means they are the same throughout history. So the first time post-traumatic stress symptoms were documented was in the Kunus papyruses, And these were the Egyptian soldiers who had just come back from combat and uh, they had uh, symptoms of what we call now called post-traumatic stress. And this was recorded in the papyrus in 1300 before Christ. Um, uh, There are various references in uh, Greek writings, for example, Homer's Iliad and the fall of Troy in 800 BC. And then, of course, Shakespeare in 1594 describes Henry IV, uh, part one, and Hotspur, who's a, who's a knight. He has a lot of sleep disturbance and nightmares with tales of iron wars. Uh, in Swiss mercenaries in the 16th century, uh, again, post-traumatic stress symptoms were documented. And in the US Civil War, 1865, um, uh, it was called nostalgia and uh, People, uh, leaders thought that actually this was a disciplinary issue because many of the guys couldn't fight. So there, there's a lot of, a lot of detail in relation to symptoms. Uh, for example, shell shock in the First World War, a lack of moral fiber in, in, in the Second World War in relation to RAF pilots in particular who, who just could not fight because of their symptoms. And there was a big, uh, tension between, you know, is this an organic brain? injury, for example, this is what shell shock was thought to be, or is this a psychological problem, or is it malingering, maybe somebody trying to get away with uh, having to fight. Uh, So there's always been a tension in relation to post-traumatic stress symptoms. But the classifications in psychiatry started around 1980 with the Vietnam veterans particularly, and also veterans from Korea, and, and it started to consolidate into a description of what post-traumatic stress is all about. And essentially, post-traumatic stress disorder is about not being able to file something in your memory. So what has happened is so out of the ordinary and it's so frightening and there's such a big life threat that your mind suspends operations and it functions in a very different way when this is happening. 
So normally the mind would serve to file away memories which comprise what is happening, so the facts, what is happening now, the sensations, what I see, touch, taste, and what, what it, you know, things feel against my skin, for example, what I hear, so sensations, and then emotional feelings, how I feel at the time. That goes in one bundle in one particular part of the brain. And what happens when we're exposed to something terrible is that doesn't happen right away. The mind suspends operations. It focuses on surviving what is going on, either running away or fighting the threat. Um, uh, but later on, the rule is the mind will file away anything that has happened. So all these memories, if you like, flood back. So that's why we get the first symptom cluster of post-traumatic stress disorder, which is uh, re-experiencing of the trauma. So we get... Uh, uh, reliving while we're awake, we get flashbacks, we get intrusive memories. We also um, get nightmares and we also kind of react, our body reacts if something reminds us of it. We get um, uh, emotional reactions or we can have physical reactions of anxiety, for example, palpitations or sweating or feeling uh, that we have butterflies in our stomach or, or that we're going to be sick. So the first symptom cluster of PTSD is re-experiencing of the trauma. The second one is a mixture of hypervigilance, so looking out for signs of danger, being very anxious, very alert, uh, on guard all the time. Uh, that can interfere with our sleep pattern, that can interfere with our concentration. It can make us very angry and irritable. Um, uh, so that is really important to bear in mind that hypervigilance and hyperarousal are the second symptom cluster of post-traumatic stress. And with this, we also get emotional numbing where people don't feel um, uh, there's no reaction to good news and no reaction to bad news. Because essentially, the worst has already happened. You know, this, this really terrible experience has changed the individual in such a way that nothing else remains uh, that in life that's important. And then the third symptom cluster is avoidance. So we learn that anything to do with the trauma can cause a lot of hyperarousal and a lot of anxiety, a lot of hypervigilance. And we learn that the best thing to do is to avoid anything that uh, reminds us of uh, the traumatic experience. And then what happens is that avoidance becomes our main coping mechanism. We start to isolate ourselves, detach ourselves from our friends, from our family, and really... Um, uh, isolate ourselves in a particular room of the house, maybe in the shed, uh, or and not go out and not meet our friends, and uh, our relationships really suffer. So post-traumatic stress disorder, bringing it down to its simplest, is a disorder of memory where we can't file what is happening immediately in our memory, and, and things then repeat, so we get our re-experiencing phenomena. That leads us to feeling very hyper-aroused, and anxious and emotionally blank, emotionally very numb, because the worst has happened now. And then we learn that avoidance is the best way to cope. And the more we avoid, the more likely it is we'll isolate ourselves. So what about modern day veterans and how they present? Well, it's really important that uh, people understand that post-traumatic stress disorder, therefore, is a, a disorder of memory, essentially. Some people can be exposed to uh, multiple traumas, and that's really um, uh, the kind of thing that perhaps some veterans who have been exposed to a lot of uh, combat uh, in different situations, uh, they they can end up, as it were, 
with more complicated presentations than, if you like, post-traumatic stress with comorbid depression and, uh, uh, if you like, substance misuse. We, we started to call this complex post-traumatic stress disorder. In 2008, my PTSD had really, really started to come to the, to the forefront. Um, and obviously, PTSD wasn't really recognised around then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just discharged me as services no longer required because okay. um, I was drinking quite heavily, um, getting into all sorts of trouble. Um, so they just discharged me. So, I mean, what was that like then, getting thrown straight into seriously? Uh, well, there's a transition period. Yeah, well... There was there was there was no transition period. Nothing really, just because we was in Germany at the time, so I was just literally shipped home. Um, I went to Fulwood Barracks for one day, did my discharge papers, and then that was that so was you me had out. No resettlement training or well, because because I come out as service no longer required. Um, mm-hmm. You don't you don't get you don't get resettlement or anything like that. So did you find that a struggle then? Yes. Getting back into civilian. Well, I'd, I'd lost I'd lost my identity and um, I didn't know what was wrong with me. Uh, Obviously, I was drinking quite heavily then, um, taking drugs. Uh, I was getting arrested near enough okay. every every other now, day. Did you put this down to mental health, or did you? Just no, I, I blamed everyone else. Blamed I said everyone. it was everyone else. It wasn't. There was nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And what sort of symptoms did you have apart from what? Uh, aggression. Aggression. Yeah. Depression. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I, I just didn't know what was going on with with myself. Um, didn't know why I was angry all the time. Um, just really didn't know what was what was wrong with me. Yeah, we've all been there, mate. Yeah. Um, so obviously I drank drank more then. Uh, I ended up with insomnia, so I was drinking to pass out yeah. so I could get to sleep. Uh, I got two three days without without any sleep. Yeah, so you you know you gone from one extreme to the other, and yeah. anything to try and get you into what you think is the norm. Then, yeah, isn't it? on the NHS you're only allowed twenty sessions of, of yeah. CBT, um, but by the time. He was getting into like the the eighteenth, nineteenth session. That's when things were starting to come to the forefront. Um, but as soon as you'd done your twentieth session, that there was no there was no closing down procedure or or bringing you know bringing you back. You did just let you that go. So everything was raw, and I was that's when I was going okay. going straight to the pub, then drinking and getting myself into. So you went from getting some help, but it, it was doing well, absolutely nothing. It, I did that three times. And then on the fourth time, uh, and I still still sort of speak to the doctor now. Um, she said that we we can't help you. There's because um, they're only taught on a broad spectrum of PTSD. Where yeah. military PTSD, it's a specific it's one. Specific, yeah. Uh, and she was the only one who had the courage to stand up and say that we we can't teach you, um, can't can't help you or nothing. Uh, and she was the one who who managed to help me get into combat stress. Okay. So, but this was by this was. 2013, that by then. So it's been a few years, hasn't it? Like yeah. Five years, yeah. Yeah. If we were combat stress, I'd be in jail now. So mm. it was it was as simple as that. Because I went to Manchester, did did the um, initial contact with them in Manchester, and uh, the the psychiatrist, I think it was, who come up. Um, within two months of that, I was up at Hollywood House. So you've been to Hollywood House. Yeah. It's a nice place, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. So what did you do? Six weeks. Uh, straight into a six six, six weeks, weeks intense therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, 
Was, is there any one aspect of that that you sort of got the best out of, like one-to-one sessions? Um, the one-to-ones were, were brilliant because obviously with the therapists that were, um, they've sort of got an idea of what you're going on about mm-hmm. and you don't feel as though you're getting patronised. Yeah, um, and you're able to to tell them anything. You want yeah, you can. Yeah. Well, you can. You, you've got to 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 get anything out yeah. of it. You've got to be open and honest with them. Um, mm-hmm. And the only way of getting anything out of it is being open and honest. Yeah, because otherwise it just won't work. And did you enjoy the art therapy and things? Like yeah, that? The, the, I enjoyed every bit of it. It was. Um, I've I've still do a lot of coping strategies now. What I got taught on the six weeks. Because I was always anti art therapy at first. Yeah. <laughs> But I must admit, I enjoyed it myself. Yeah. Well, you give it a chance, don't you? you know? Yeah. So obviously, combat stress has obviously made a massive difference to you. Yeah, I've I've been I've been quite a few times now. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I don't know whether you've got any family or anything. Uh, I've got a little daughter now. Yeah. yeah. And has it made a difference with your yeah. relationships? Well, because because of the way I was, um, I nearly lost my daughter. I nearly lost all my family right. uh, through the way I was. Um, and combat stress has helped me deal with that and put things into place. To, and so now, you're able to deal with the more day-to-day basis yeah. a bit easier, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. They'll always find a way of, a way around helping you. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's the best thing I ever did. I yeah. Don't know. But what he didn't realise up above him was someone who's an ex-soldier... And this is the problem with society today. Ex-soldiers do not get enough help, with the exception of the great organisation Combat Stress. And I would recommend anyone who wants to open up and come out and and get it out there, because I'm a better person for seeing Combat Stress now. But this old guy, anyway, look, I'll I'll cut to the chase. I lost my temper with him. I didn't want to get physical with him. He was getting on a bit, you know. And I wouldn't have got physical unless it came to that with anyone. But I lost the plot and um, enough was enough. The housing association were letting me down. They weren't taking me serious. I had to tell them about the fire. I had to tell them about the IRA bomb. They just weren't getting it. And that was what disappointed me. I lose my temper. I shout a few obscenities at this, this guy. Other people living around me see me getting aggressive, see me go... You know, I really did lose the plot, like... And, um, yeah... I was probably seconds away from doing something violent. That's all I will say. Because I just thought, well, it's me or him, it's kill or be killed. And I just went into army mentality. And I went to see my doctor when all this was going on. And he was very supportive. And I told him what we've just spoke about, you know, IRA bombs and trapped in fires and barracks and stuff. And um, he seemed to think that I was getting elements of post-traumatic stress disorder. But we must investigate it more, he said. So he put me in touch with the um, military IDAPT, I think it was, and also the NHS. Well, I don't want to bring the NHS down here, but they failed me completely. And then um, I was speaking to someone at military IDAPT, and they suggested that would I speak to Combat Stress because they are very, very good. And yeah, that was it. I kind of picked the phone up. I phoned up, a, a, I assume, a call centre. Spoke to a lovely lady, a triage nurse, told them everything what I've told you well, over the years about the nightmares and they're not there every day and they're not there every week I don't know how my mind works but every now and again I've woke up screaming of a night and stuff mm. um, and yeah so I went to see um, where's Timberland in the British Legion in Williamson Square and he was great 
he just calmed me down straight away. And it's the ability of people to listen. That's all you really want. You don't want to be taking tons of medication if you can help it. It's it's about like I'm talking to you now, even talking to you today. Is it, it makes my life a little bit easier. You know, you've got someone that you can reach out to, and, and that's what happened the first. And then it was suggested that um, I'd go to Hollybush House in Scotland. Yeah, it was miles away, like, but um, I went there and I spoke to several of the staff up there. One guy, big massive guy, Gary, he, he was amazing. Uh, and the other staff there, they were all brilliant. Uh, and the setup itself was, was fantastic. I got a shock when I seen the place. I mean, it was in the middle of like rural Scotland, you know. And um, I spent a couple of days there chatting, like we're chatting now, and going to all a lot of different bits of stuff. And you know what you can do to make you feel better: rumination and taking your mind off it and distracting yourself. All little bits like that, and, and not just that. It was it was to get assessed as well. I thought, you know, what is it that I've got got here? How did it? How did the support that you got? from combat stress help you? But it helped me immensely because I, I'd gone from a very aggressive situation where I got an injunction put on me. I had to go to court, but the judge was very kind towards me. She wasn't convinced all the evidence against me. The injunction basically was to say, don't behave yourself in the next 12 months, don't kick off on anyone, don't argue with anyone. But the judge was sympathetic. So I felt like the whole world was against me. There's, they moved this guy out after a week and a half, so he must have been a danger. They don't just get moved after a week and a half unless you've got a track record. You know, they kind of maybe bring you together. So, yeah, I've gone from this aggressive situation where I feel I've let myself down and I was depressed, I was low. I wasn't turning to drink or drugs or anything like that stuff, you know what I mean? Familiar stories, maybe. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about that. It, it, it was about, like, it's all come to a head. And, and how do I stop stop it? And who can I tell about these weird dreams? And why was I so aggressive? And it was combat stress that, that listened to me and explained, you know, that you, you've hit this trigger point, you've hit this mm-hmm. moment in your life where you, you haven't been able to hold the, your feelings back anymore. You haven't been able to keep all them secrets in a box anymore. Mm-hmm. So I found it really good. And then I carried on seeing Wes after Scotland. Every so often, Wes would, would set me up some appointments. And uh, there was one time when we got the, the footage up of the aftermath of the Chelsea Barracks bomb on YouTube. And uh, Wes hadn't seen it before. I, I had. But um, together, we just sat there and we watched it. And and, and, and I think by going over... I, I haven't done it since. But I think by sitting there with someone and seeing the coach blown to smithereens, seeing the laundry van where the device was with just the engine block left, and seeing the debris and the windows and everything smashed. And, you know, that day, there was kids with bolts and nails and all sorts and sticking out of them and pieces of wood and that. It wasn't nice. But um, I think by sitting there with Wes and that and him looking at it with me, it was it was, it was was good. Well, yeah, it was more, I think, the CBT side of it, you know. I, I would ask Wes questions like, how's my mind managed to file these things away? And and why is it that they, you know they, every now and again they come out? You know what I mean? And it, maybe it's a reminder of something. Maybe if I look at the news and there's a bomb gone off somewhere in Manchester, then that that's gonna have it in my head. Then so news off. I think they've helped me reclaim my life and, and 
you feel like you're a nutter. And I don't feel like I'm a nutter anymore. And I think Combat Sesh got me back in order that way. You know, look, you're not a nutcase. You're not a psychopath. You're not a lunatic. You just sort of, things that you've seen in, in the past have, you know, got you to where you are today. And that's why this all happened. The army never give you an explanation for it. They're just happy to see you go. Don't be not sure. Get on the phone and speak to Combat Stress straight away. They are the people that will help you. They are the only people out there that understand what soldiers have gone through. The NHS are years and years and years behind that kind of programme of treatments. But Combat Stress, they're the best. So when we kind of work out what post-traumatic stress disorder is, uh, a disorder of memory where we fail to confront what happened because the avoidance doesn't let us confront what happened. We're too afraid to confront what happened. So when we look at treatment, what what happens in treatment? Treatment's about helping somebody to confront what happened. So when we look at combat stress and what we actually offer in terms of treatment, what we offer in terms of treatment is stabilizing somebody, uh, making sure that they're not avoiding, uh, making sure they understand um, uh, that really they need to cope with having to confront what happened in therapy. And that's quite difficult. So we have a lot of uh, skills training to, to counteract the avoidance. And if people, for example, using alcohol or drugs, we help them to get off the alcohol and drugs. Maybe we do it or maybe uh, we do it in partnership with other uh, clinical services once that's done um of course people um uh, then can join our our main service provision as it were um but stabilization so it's a phasic treatment so stabilization sometimes we uh, we have to use medication to treat depression for example um uh, so at combat stress we use a phasic uh, intervention stabilization then talking about the trauma so we confront what happened and then we look at rehabilitation making sure people aren't going to remain isolated, making sure their relationships are good uh, with their families. So we have a lot of education for partners now and carers. I think that's really important. And also uh, work. We, we employ occupational therapists, for example, to help people get back to work. Uh, so functional improvement is very, very important in terms of what we do. So at Combat Stress, what we're interested in as well is that people engage in treatment which is why we have a 24-7 helpline, and that's really important, but also um, uh, to make sure that we speak the same language. So we've become, uh, if you like, much more veteran-friendly. Um, uh, we've, we've set up services now to include veteran buddies, uh, certainly in certain places, and, and, you know, the staff are trained in relation to veterans' needs and veteran culture, military culture, and that's really important. So we know at Combat Stress that people want to engage with us and remain engaged in treatment so that they treat they complete their treatment so that's really really important i know that some of you listening to this will be affected by what you heard whether you're a veteran or a friend or relative of a veteran the combat stress 24-hour helpline is there for you it provides free confidential advice and support if you need to talk to someone, please do not struggle in silence. Call the helpline on 0800 138 1619.
Combat Stress is a charity that is heavily dependent on public donations. If you can help, please text GIVE to 70004 to donate £5. Please note, we may contact you about this campaign and the work our charity does. To give £5, but to opt out from further contact from us, text GIVE NO. Text cost your standard network rate, plus your £5 donation. Combat Stress will receive 100% of your donation. Please obtain the bill payers' permission before you text. The customer care line is 01372 587 153. Charity number 206002. Next time on the Combat Stress 100 podcast. Leaving the military and transitioning to Civvy Street can be an overwhelming experience, with veterans having to learn a whole new set of rules as they start a very different life. Imagine trying to take this on while living with the hidden trauma of combat. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you.